Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you, who the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, and our Ola. I am Spud Goodman. <laughs> Spud Goodman. <laughs> Welcome, one and all, to what you know we here feel is a, a pretty darn neat little radio show. Some may differ, but but I will accept that description with with great pride and humility. Okay. Uh, let's just get this show started right now. Let, let me introduce our show's designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Uh, can you give us a heartfelt chuckle, if you would? Oh, I can give it a try. How's this? <clears throat> oh, uh, well, I'll stand by that chuckle. It may not be my all-time best one, Yeah. Still, well. pretty darn impressive, uh, if you ask me. It, it was a bit pedestrian. But you know, but it did meet our minimum standards. Thank you. Uh, uh, what, a pedestrian? Well, well I, I mean, it didn't earn any superlatives for sure. I mean, maybe I'm too tough of an evaluator. Okay, okay, yes, mediocrity is the guiding force of my career. But I cannot downplay the importance of an effective and timely laugh. You know, whenever I may. Make a slightly humorous or, or yes, dare I say, funny comment. Be funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you, I make you laugh. You know, as we we don't have a live audience, you know, a, a good laugh can often influence, you know, what the listener might or, or might not judge as, as entertaining, you know, when they hear a third party at least chuckle. Uh, I mean, an occasional belly laugh would be awesome too, but, you know, I, I'll, I'll settle for a decent chuckle. As I said on many occasions, you get what you pay for. And I am yeah. a volunteer designated laugher. Uh, okay, P point taken, Aunt Dorothy. All right, now now I'm supposed to acknowledge our, our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, I will allow you, um, let's, let's just say, 11 seconds to acknowledge my acknowledgement. On your mark, get set, go. Oh, okay, right, right now? Yeah. Okay. Okay, okay, then. It is uh, my pleasure to serve in the capacity of temporary permanent co-host on this mm. uh, Spud uh, th th show. Th th thank you, thank you. I really appreciate that. And now what I wanted to, you know, really discuss I, was... I, I had so much more to bring up. 11 seconds, was it was just not enough. And really, Spud, it felt more like 8 or 9 seconds, you know, because I was just I, I do know, I but we all have to work within the law, all right? It's incumbent on everyone to yeah, follow come basic... On, come on, 11 seconds? Oh, okay, okay, all right. It's possible 
Now, you may have a valid point. I will Thank revisit you. this issue after the show and make an adjustment to future shows if need be, okay? But right now, I kind of doubt it, but 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 I won't close the door on your concerns. Hey, how's that for being open to other people's feelings? Just fool me once. Shame on, shame on you. Hey, fool me, we can't get fooled again. As I continue to be ignored when you introduce show staff, I am going to do it myself right now. Hello, uh, I am Chance. I was gonna do it. Oh, I'm the show's intern and also the most popular person on the program. For verification of this fact, anyone can go to the station's website to see for themselves as the numbers from the listener survey are displayed to the public. Look, alternative facts are not facts. I ask them to do so as some people continue to question the validity of my title. Oh, honey, yeah, if really. that fails to properly introduce you in the future, I'll handle it. As the most popular person on this show, you deserve a proper introduction. Thank you, Dorothy. It's nice to have someone who has my back on the show. Listen, you entitled little brat. Just because after the wedding to my aunt, you know, you'll be my uncle. Just stop bringing that attitude to this show. Yes, you may be popular with some listeners, but I will continue to question how accurate that survey actually was. Uh, it's all fake news. There had to be considerable fraud involved, as as I, you know, I brought that up in the past, and no one's really dealt with it. I looked into it. We all know I won that most popular vote in a landslide. Well, and, and you would think you would think they would have had a question or two about the co-host, but no, I was completely overlooked. Well, it was only a thirty-five <laughs> question survey, dude. I think. Uh, well, but but anyway, I wanted to discuss something that has been on my mind lately. It's it's writing my own obituary. It's never too soon, you know, to be thinking about that. And, and actually, when we had Mo Rocca on the show, you, you remember him, right? You know, the, the guy on CBS Sunday mornings yeah, and, and NPR right. radio. You, you guys remember. Anyway, he, he wrote that book, Mobituaries, and, and he actually has a podcast about the topic, too, right now. Um, he just made me rethink the whole obituary thing. I, I never thought it was that important, really. I mean, I figured, who cares what anyone writes about me when, when I'm dead? But now I understand. It's the document of record of my life. I mean, should I let anyone other than me write it? That would be very risky, given my rather sordid life history. I'm beginning to see why your wife left you. I do understand your concerns, bud. If you go before me, rest assured I will handle your obit. I won't let the funeral home just make something up for the local paper. Well, thank you, Aunt Dorothy. But really, you know, only I can do justice to my life. There's a lot of information you may not be aware of, and, and some that you are, you know, that must remain, you know, kind of between the two of us. Uh, I just feel it would be best if I myself write something up now, you, you know, to have it ready to go when I face my final cancellation. You know what I mean. Your lucky obituaries aren't like Wikipedia. So many people would want to edit yours and put in a lot of really mean things. I won't lie. I would join in for sure. Oh, please, sweetie. Poking the bear is not helpful right now. Okay. I was going to suggest someone put a comment section after his obituary. 
I bet there would be tons of brutal stuff posted. Man, that would be entertaining. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's not going to happen, okay? I'll make sure of that. But right now, I'm in the mood for, you know, some tunes. So let's lead off the music with, uh, you know, this one by the legendary Paul Anka. It's off his 2005 release, Rock Swings. And it's an interesting take on the Van Halen tune jump. Here it is. Nothing ever gets me down You got a tough I've seen the toughest around And I know Baby, just how you feel You gotta roll with the punches To get what's real Oh, can't you see me standing here? I got my back against the record machine I ain't the worst that you've seen Can't you see what I mean? Might as well jump Might as well jump Go ahead, jump Go ahead and jump. jump. Hey, you. Huh. Hey, babe, how you been? You say you don't know, you don't know until you begin. Now can't you see me standing here? I got my back against the record machine. I ain't the worst that you see Can't you see what I mean? Might as well jump You might as well jump Go ahead, jump Go ahead and just jump Knock yourself out The worst that you've seen Can't you see what I mean? Might as well jump Might as well jump
this is Cheech Marin, and you're listening to the Spud Goodman Show. So am I. So keep listening. It could pay off. Oh, say, Spud, someone you really like is holding for you, Joe Coy. Uh, You know, you probably know, as you have a show schedule, I don't. So I just learned that he's coming back on the show. You do understand how much easier it would be for me if I was given a show schedule, right? Sorry, you know, I value the security of my intellectual property more than your personal comfort, all right? Yeah, when but- you prove you're not a security risk, I maybe will re-examine. Yes, Gerald, you couldn't keep a secret for longer than a few seconds. I've seen you in action with a few things I've shared with you. Nothing has changed. You are definitely a security risk. It's time to shut it down, turn the tables, and lock her up. Hey, I really want to speak with Joe. You know, he, he has a new book out now, his memoir. Uh, it has stuff that, you know, I didn't know about him. I guess publishers always make you put stuff in books that no one knows about before, right? I guess. I read that Joe Coy is the fifth biggest concert draw in the world right now. He's the only comedian on the list. He did sold-out shows at the Mall of Asia Arena in Manila, the Coca-Cola Arena that's in Dubai, the ICC Theater that's in Sydney, in addition to all the big venues here. And most of them were two nights in a row. Yeah, I mean, he is really popular. Uh, Just put him through, man. All right, say hello to a friend of this show. We love him. That is a fact. Comedian, actor, and now author, Mr. Joe Coy. Uh, I can't even believe that last uh, yeah. description of the author. I, I, yeah. I, I still can't believe that. that's how people... Can you believe it? I wrote a book. Yeah. Is that even... I can't even believe I'm saying that right now. Well, yeah, I mean, even though you won't you won't turn 50 until June, you have crammed a lot into your 49 years so far. I guess you're now old enough to write a memoir, so you did. It's titled Mixed Plate and Chronicles <laughs> of an All-American Combo. Thank you so much, man. Uh, it was it was a journey. I, I will tell you that. It took me two and a half years to write, and just to see it on shelves right now, that the response I'm getting is crazy, man. It's sold out at Barnes & Noble already, and uh, it, it's crushing at Amazon. It, it's just beautiful, man, the response. So uh, it makes me want to cry, man, for real. What, was writing it a grueling experience, or was it a relaxation exercise reliving the past? You know, because there, there's some heavy things in it, I, I guess. It's not all about the funny stuff, right? Yeah, dude, you're you're. Thank you for saying that, man. Because it literally was therapeutic for me. I, I literally, I, I dumped my soul into that book, and, and I said things that I would never say on stage. I talked about things I would never talk to anyone about. Things that I was selfishly embarrassed about. And now, after writing it, I realized just how ignorant I was about certain issues. And, and now I'm, I'm glad it's out there, and, and, and hopefully people will learn from it as well that are probably dealing with the same issues as me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, in, on a side note, uh, just real quickly, uh, I read that you have a movie deal with, with Amblin Entertainment run by some dude that, I don't know, I think his, think his name is Steven Spielberg. It's called Easter Sunday. How's that project going? <laughs> it's going, man. It's, uh, it's full, it's, it's, it's full on moving right now. The Pistons are running right now and uh, production starts right around May, uh, yeah, it's happening. It's a, it's a done deal. Steven, uh, 
was interested. He, he liked uh, my special coming in hot on Netflix and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. brought us in. And, and yeah, I pitched Easter Sunday to him. And next thing you know, he bought it. And, and now we're making it. It's, it's incredible. That was a killer special, by the way, man. Anyway. Uh, oh, thank you. You know, as a star of this thing, you're, you know you're going to get first dibs on all the food at craft services. No one's going to tell you, sorry, man, we ran out of key lime pie or the chocolate fountain is down. I mean, you're going to be living large. <laughs> yeah, that's very true, right? I'm, I'm the first on the call sheet, so uh, it, it, it's beautiful, man, and, and I, I can't wait to share this with with all my cast members. It's, it's going to be great. I, I've been part of this whole process, casting, the writing, to just full-on producer. I, I'm wearing all the hats, man, and, and it's a beautiful thing. Well, you deserve it. So, um, well, let me ask you this: how, how was it for you during the pandemic? You're you're a true road warrior in stand-up comedy. Did did you go through withdrawals not being on stage, making people laugh? I'm I'm thinking working a living room with your family just doesn't give you the same buzz. Yeah, exactly. I I, I love the fact that there's a bunch of new topics that we get to talk about and. That, that we probably would have never witnessed if it wasn't for this pandemic. Like, we are in a situation now where uh, I hope to God this only happens once in a lifetime. I hope this yeah. never happens again. I, no, I don't say hope. This, this will never happen again. Um, because life is crazy right now, and, and, and it's given me a ton of material. So uh, this new hour special, you can count on 2020 being uh, a major topic uh, in, in my special. Well, you know, here's a kind of a comedy process question. You've done so many comedy specials over the years. What do you do with all that old material? When you do a new show, there's not much room for the old stuff, even if it's really great material. Have you ever thought of, like, doing a, a best-of concert, like all the greatest hits over the years? Geezer rock bands have been milking this for decades, by the way. <laughs> That's funny. I don't know. It's a little different with stand-up. You know, the thing with rock bands is... And, uh, you know, groups, R&B groups, uh, you know, they get their classic songs and people love to hear it over and over again. Unfortunately, uh, with a joke, the element of surprise is the biggest part of the joke. And once you lose that element of surprise, uh, you're just talking at that point because they've already heard it. So people don't want to hear it if they're not going to be surprised at the end. So once I, I put that special out, once those jokes are already out in the matrix they're done I, I never ever touch them again I retire them uh. no I, I won't do a greatest hit <laughs> uh. alright just a thought but okay well you know let me ask you no, this no it's a great idea <laughs> yeah say what well, I, I was thinking about what you just asked Joe you, the idea of a greatest hits thing you know maybe someday you too could put out something with your best work on it I don't know for sure if anyone would be interested in it, but still, it might be a possible uh, revenue stream for you. Revenue stream? Yeah. Hey, hey, Joe, j just a sec. Do you really think people might be into something like that? I mean, hey, if Grand Funk Railroad can still sell their greatest hits record, uh, I guess it might work. Well, of course, the key is finding the material that would qualify as your greatest hits. Yeah. or top-shelf material. Where would you find this in your career? Well, Aunt Dorothy, I, I have so many tapes of my stuff from over the years, you know, in both, you know, cable TV and, and radio. There, there must be something in there that would work. You know, if you 
want, Spud? I could go through my library of our work together over the last few years. I save everything. Yeah, I know for sure there were a few shows where you and I really clicked on the air. It, it was almost uh, magic. We, we became one, so to speak. Uh, I just think I threw up in my mouth on that remark. Uh, ditch that idea. And let me get back to Joe. All right, man, I'm back. Well, you know, um, on the show, we're talking about writing our own obituaries. You know, you know, not, not letting others screw it up. We had Mo Rocca on the show, and he wrote a book on obituaries. Uh, he, he got me to thinking about this task that most people just don't get involved with before they kick the bucket. You know, now, now that you're an author, do you want to write your own obituary, or, or do you plan to leave it to others? No. No. Heck no. Why would anyone do that? I don't want anyone to... I, I am not writing my obituary. I... Uh, in my mind, I'm going to be around for a very long time, so uh, I don't even want to dance around the issue of, uh, or dance around that thought of being dead, and I have to write my own obituary. I, I hate that I even thought of that. Oh, well, sorry I brought it up, but, you know, he, he wrote a full book on it. It was kind of, you know, there's, there's kind of an art form to it. it uh, I, I'm, I'm still kicking around how I want to approach it, but, you know, I don't know if I want to leave it to you know, others to, to mess it up, but, you know, all right, I'll, I'll move on. Um uh, let, me, let me close the conversation with a, with a question on on the fact that you are you know now an author. Man, that's that's a pretty heavy title, by the way. I, you know, you really think about it, it's it's pretty yeah. heavy. Um, what was the toughest hurdle you overcame? You know, in, in taking it on. You know, and in, in actually sitting down and doing it. P- people making noise maybe while you were typing it, like too many really cool you know good games on ESPN or or good stuff on Netflix to concentrate. You know, stuff like that. What was the toughest hurdle? I think the toughest hurdle was actually digging deep and, and telling those personal stories that, that you kept inside for so long. And, and that's not healthy, you know? Like, that, that you got to free yourself sometimes. Sometimes uh, uh, letting that pain out that you kept inside for so long will, will make you feel so much better. And, and that's what happened. There's, there's a few stories in there that I kept inside and... Uh, and I was able to let it go, and it, it was hard to do. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, I finally talked about my brother, which no one knew I had. I, I finally told everybody I have a brother, and I told everybody why I, I never talked about him. It, mm-hmm. it was it was because of mental health issues. My brother deals with schizophrenia, and mm-hmm. you know, it was a very traumatizing part of my life growing up. Seeing my brother fight the people that he did, fight my parents, and getting arrested all the time. It, 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 it was just to the point where I, I'd rather just not mention his name because I wasn't prepared to explain why my brother was still living in a hospital. So now with the awareness that's out there and how people uh, accept therapy now and, and understand that mental health issues are, are real, and yes. I, I'm not embarrassed to talk about it anymore. And, and I'm glad I was able to do that in this book. Well, that's it. thanks for sharing that, you know, right now too. I appreciate that because yes, it is is very much uh, an ongoing issue that society needs to get out front of, you know. So anyway, all right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I know you got to scoot. So l- let me say, this man has a new book out. All right. It's titled "Mixed Plate Chronicles of an All American Combo," and I'm pretty sure it's exceptionally funny. Uh, I'll, I'll just say that. Uh, so th- just thanks so much for coming back on our show again. Oh, man, thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for this opportunity. There you have it, Mr. Joe Coy. 
The new major Encyclopedia International from Grolier Incorporated is a source authority for the preparation of questions and answers used on the Spud Goodman Show. Oh, uh, Spud, our show's resident psychic, Ted Marr, is holding to speak with you. All right, very cool. Put him through. Yeah, here he is. resident psychic mr ted mar thanks for doing this again <laughs> it's great to talk to you but thanks so much yeah i wanted to ask you who picks the winners and losers in the world uh is it strictly by chance or or are there like evil or, or good forces that make the call um well that's a very good question um this is a planet where evil was started as an experiment and, it, and, and evil was started as an experiment here many millennia ago before I was born, where um, the, the, the god, if you will, introduced negative entities and, and evil to show people the contrast um, and the difference between good and bad um, and, 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 um, and right, and, right and wrong ways to live in an effort to help people wake up and choose the right path for evolution. So. That's kind of like the, the background of Earth, but in 2012, the Dalai Lama said that there, there, it was starting. It was the starting of the end of evil on this planet. And as we shift from this third dimension to the higher dimension, to much lighter dimensions, um, evil and bad things and bad people won't be allowed to be here anymore because well, the, the planet is shifting to a higher dimension. But to me, it just—I mean, my question is always why? Why is it that horrible things happen to really good people? I, I may not be able to back this up with verifiable data, but to me, it seems that the the uh, the pardon my language uh, of this world seem to come out on top most of the time, and the truly wonderful people get the short end of the stick. Take a look around the world, and you can see that things just seem a bit messed up. Well, let me just quote the Bible. I'm not religious. Um, but uh, the, and there's a quote saying that the meek shall inherit the earth, and um, so. I think I, I think um, good guys do finish first, really? and then the new earth, yeah, it'll be that'll be especially true, and the bad guys will finish last. I think that'll flip flop as we ascend into the higher dimension. Well, I don't know what I'm about the dimensions here, but you think that there would be a higher power like like God or, or a force, depending upon your you know, spiritual beliefs that, that could step in at least with some situations, like say all those, like those hedge fund managers who go in and gut companies and make millions or billions. You never hear about those guys ever being down on their luck or having personal tragedy, except maybe one of their yachts being repossessed. What do you think? Well, they, okay, the, the, the supreme being, if you will, um, the, the old saying, God does help themselves, helps those who help themselves. But there's another added layer to that in that, um, um, there's this this whole planet is like a school where we're all we're all supposed to learn lessons here, but and so um, uh, if you learn your lesson, and then you can ascend up to the to the evolutionary ladder to the to the higher dimensions. Um, but if they, if they were to just to come in, let's say you had benevolent extraterrestrials come in and help us with so many things, then we wouldn't learn any lessons, would we? But yes. Well, I would like to interject here. Everyone here on Earth has a plan. It's really quite simple. You mentioned hedge fund managers uh, experiencing great success as an injustice, but they as a whole work very hard to earn their financial rewards. 
God looks out for those who are earners, people who create wealth, and then it circulates through society. Hey, Ted, uh, uh, this won't take long. (laughs) Great. Dude, if there is a God, I'm betting he can't stand hedge fund managers. They're worse than those money changers back in the day. Uh, These guys swoop in and carve up a company, you know, with real live employees and all that's left is a carcass. You know, I mean, people with little or no benefits and and a big pay cut while being told to to be grateful for their jobs that will almost always only last like a year or so more until the company is sold again for parts. You know what? Corporations are people too, Spud. Uh, They're very misunderstood these days. uh, Yeah, okay, if you say so, just let me get back to Ted. I have returned. Oh, that's okay. No worries, my friend. Okay, well, kind of what I'm saying is it seems like there's a lottery system in life where some people are born into, you know, countries with, like, hot tubs and pools and most backyards, and others are living in places where there's there's no decent water supply or electricity, let alone Wi-Fi. Is there someone or a force, you know, flipping a coin or playing rock, paper, scissors? Because it just seems so random to me. Well, what happens is that um, people often need to learn lessons. From that, the, the, they have a, maybe a life of privilege, one life. Yeah, privilege. And then they exactly. Want, yeah, yeah, and then they want to experience poverty in the next life, so they switch roles. I'll give you an example. Um, for many of the um, Nazis in Germany after after World War II who died during that time, they came back as um, poor poor people in third, many third world countries, and as American Indians in in the United States. And for for um, for I never many read of those that people. Anywhere. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that was that's what I was told years ago. So, um, and a lot of um, uh, native people were also reborn in Germany too. So they, they switched out these roles. Um, it's um, it's an interesting question. Sometimes, for example, let's say you've got a guy who went through life and he was really nasty and mean to everybody. Well, he sat down with his creator at the end of his at the end of his, this one life, and he decided to he needed to soften his soul. So he gets reborn as a woman next time around to oh. feminize his soul. So things go back and forth. Um, let's say you have a, a, a gentleman who's uh, prejudiced against other people. Well, guess what? What can happen is that in his next life, he will be reborn as one of those groups he was prejudiced against to experience the kind of um, kind of harm and, and and the other side of the coin, so to speak. So you That's you've got to be um, that is interesting. Yeah, well, it goes back and forth yeah um well you know we let's face it you and i are are, come from a place of privilege i guess we both should be really grateful about the cards we were dealt with i mean i got to be a a talk show host i mean yeah on kind of a crappy show but still and you're a psychic who was heard around the world we did win that life lottery (laughs) thing right everything that i have i attribute to um god the angels and just hard work and being open and optimistic and most importantly realizing what my sole purpose is here. I was live in Atlantis 12,500 years ago when um, I was a priest in Atlantis and we tried to stop the destruction of the world. They, they had a war back then and a lot of things were, de- were destroyed. So I'm, I've come back to this point in time now, Spud, to help humanity advance and make this world a better place. So right. um, that's, and I know this is my last lifetime before I I go back to Pleiades, where I'm from. So I'm, I make the most of my life here as much as I can to make the world a, a better place. 
All right, super. We're in your debt. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty positive this is it for me. I, I'm not getting another shot at it. So anyway, just thanks so very much for doing another segment for us. Oh, my pleasure, Spud. Right. I always enjoy talking to you. Our resident psychic, Mr. Tenmar. The excitement continues on the Spud Goodman Radio Show following this brief intermission. We are down north, baby. We on the Spud Goodman Show. And we all scared of robots, baby. <laughs> Woo! They come to get our jobs. Oh! We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Say, Spud, uh, getting back to what we were discussing, uh, you writing your own obituary, I, I just don't think it's the correct thing to do. You really should leave this duty to your loved ones after you've left us and gone on to your appropriate final destination, your uh. forever home, uh, and, well... We, we both know where that's going to eventually be, but that's a topic for another day. Oh, no. Uh, first of all, you don't know for sure I, I won't be going to heaven, you know, if, if there actually well, is one. Uh, I'm betting there will be a ton of questionable characters there who, who will make me look really good. You know, not everyone up there is, is going to be Mother Teresa or Abraham Lincoln, okay? There will have to be a few sketchy characters there too, so I would not be so quick to prejudge my final destination. Well, I think it would be prudent, though, Spud, to plan for all eventualities, you know, just in case you end up in that unfortunate place. I put my money on that hot place for you, Spud, if anyone's taking bets. Deal or no deal? Yeah, whatever. So when did, you know, when we did have Mo Rocca on the show, you guys remember, you know, when we discussed that whole obituary thing, I learned there are really well-written ones and others that were not so impressive. You know, understand that these will be the last words anyone will read about me. So they just have to be something that I feel good about forever. You mean to say that you do not trust your family members to give you your due? You know, to be respectful with your life story? Uh, well, really, the only family I have left is is my Aunt Dorothy. At least with those, you know, who are still speaking with me. That's what I'm referring to. I don't, I don't think it would be wise for me also to, you know, put this on my ex-wives. Um, they may not be that kind, you know, in the retelling of my life's highlights. Yeah! I totally trust my soon-to-be wife, Dorothy, to write a crisp and moving obituary if I should go before her. You're an excellent writer, babe. Why, thank you, honey. Oh, you know, I was originally an English major until I switched to industrial engineering. Huh. And uh, that degree got my toe in the door for my demolitions career. But if this should fall on me, I will, of course, do my best to give you your due. Yeah. I sure hope I don't die anytime soon, as I don't have that many accomplishments to put in it. Uh, kid, you, you're probably going to live to your, like, 110, given all the progress medical science is making these days. You know, timing is everything in life. 
And that's so unfair. If you know how I feel, why would you say that? Well, I know my family would do a great job with my obituary when my time comes. My oldest, Gerald Jr., is very adept at turning a phrase. So uh, I hope my wife, Rachel, gives him an opportunity to join in. I, I also should say, I hope that it's not too long as, you know, the price for these are quite outrageous at our daily paper. I like the simplicity of that one I, I read in Mo Rocca's book. I think it was Tom Paine's obit. Yeah. It just said he had lived long, did some good, and much harm. You know, that would be really cheap, even in the New York Times or the Washington Post. Because I know with mine, someone is probably going to just find the, the cheapest place, put it up on some free website or message board. And and that's why I should start saving now, so so it can you know be put up at a place with a bit more traffic, you know you know maybe my will I'll have someone take out an ad for it on Facebook, uh, yeah that's the only way anything gets circulated. Without it, it'll, it'll probably only go to like my neighbors and maybe some random guy in Utah. Um, I think it'd be actually. You know there are no fact checkers with these things, Spud. If you really want to compliment your flattering obituary, you could just make up a bunch of stuff. Like, who's going to look up and verify if any of it's actually true? Yeah, I'm aware of this. I mean, it's nice to know that, like, PolitiFact, uh, Snopes, and, and those other sites, you know, who call BS on politicians, don't turn their attention to this kind of stuff, you know. How crappy would it be to, to think you'd written something really nice only to have an outside source cut your obituary to shreds, you know, making you look like a big fraud? No, you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Well, telling lies is an act of fraud. Well, who made you the attorney general of the world? You're an intern, man, all right? Uh, but right now, I need, I need to play some more tunes, okay? This one is uh, actually from a band from Oakland, California, The Bad Vibes. It's titled Out in the Street, and it's off their 2014 release of the same title. Check it out. Nothing to say, okay. and nothing to prove. 
Goodman Radio Show. Spud, your last guest, Dion Cole, is waiting on the line for you. Okay, thanks. You know, Dion is on two sitcoms right now, Blackish and Grownish, in addition to doing a, a Netflix animated series. And I, I guess he, you know, he has a comedy special on Netflix too. This is a hardworking guy. Well, I enjoy him on Blackish, but I haven't seen his comedy specials yet. And I also have to say, Dion is spectacularly hot. Suck it to me. Yeah, I think he's also the like the Old Spice guy too. You everybody rec- will you know recognize him from that. You know, he's in, he's in all their commercials. What? What? He is the spokesperson for Old Spice. You know, everyone knows that I wear Old Spice after shaving every morning. My yeah. wife Rachel insists on it. She loves Old Spice. It's a very manly scent. Previously, I'm just going to leave it alone right now. I want to talk to Dion about being a comedy writer, you know, as he's worked for a lot of really big-time comedians, too. Just put him through. You got it. Here he is. Please welcome actor, comedian, and screenwriter Dion Cole. Thanks for calling into our show. Thanks for having me, man. How you doing? Not not bad. So so you have a new movie out. I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Uh, tell us a bit about it and where people can find it. Absolutely. Uh, our movie, I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Is when a recent widow mother becomes houseless. She convinces her eight year old daughter that they're only camping fun while she's working to get them off the street. Uh, it's this very deep movie. It has a lot to do with houseless, homelessness that's going on right now. You know, especially during this pandemic, a lot of people, uh, you know, lost homes and houses and everything. And so we're just showing, um, you know, the, the, the side of, of a parent trying to protect a kid's psyche while mm-hmm. she, you know, does what she needs to do in order to get them off the street. Um, well, you know, Dion, as a longtime cast member of the ABC series Blackish and now also with the Freeform series Grownish, do you see a growing market for programming that is a, as a bit more diverse? Because I'm old, so I remember like Norman Lear's uh, shows. Uh, it seemed like th- there were there were many more multiracial casts back in the day, but of course, that was mostly a white guy's take. Do, do you sense more opportunities for everybody else now as showrunners? Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. There's so many different platforms right now for people to be on, um, which which creates more jobs. You have streaming services popping up left and right, man, and everyone has original content, and it's just room for everybody. It's also room for everyone's stories now. It doesn't have to be linked to, like, one group of people telling it. Everybody's story. Everybody, it, it, it gets more and more specific as time goes on. So that's that's great to have. That's 
All right, super. Uh, you know, we, we had on your fellow cast member, Marcus Scribner, uh, from both Blackish and Gronish. It was a couple of years ago. He oh, said well. he was planning on going to USC. I was wondering uh, if he ever found the time, you know, to do college at USC, you know, with his career. He, he seemed really bright. So if he did enroll, I know his parents didn't buy his way in. <laughs> I'm not sure if Marcus win or not. I know Marcus is still on set. <laughs> I okay. know that much. Right. I see, yeah. So we just wrapped we just wrapped our seventh season and uh like about a week a week ago and I just seen Marcus so if he's taking if he's taking classes I have no idea about it right now. But he could be, I'm not sure. But yeah, that's I call him my nephew. He's one of the brightest, brightest, yeah. brightest actors, man, is doing it and to see him grow up into the man that he is 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 amazing, man, and uh, he 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 definitely has a huge future in front of him, man. Shout out to Marcus. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Spud, uh, what? What? If I may, I know you were so into that college admission scandal. You know where parents bribe school officials to get their kids phony scholarships, and it seemed to work, but my gosh, I googled that story, and those parents paid so much money for their children yeah. to get entry into the really good colleges. I, I bring this up now, as our oldest, Gerald Jr., is about to start applying to colleges. You know, he's no athlete either, like most of the kids who got in illegally. My question is, there must be another way to influence a school to accept a student besides, you know, paying them money. Do you have any tips? Uh, you're asking me that question right now in, in the middle of an interview? Yeah. Uh, hello? Hey, hey, Dion. Dion, I need a minute here. I'll be right back. The best way for your kid to get into a really good college is to make sure he gets all A's. What's his GPA? Well, uh, that's the problem. Gerald Jr. has not always uh, applied himself. He often goes next door to our neighbors and plays video games for hours on end. My wife and I feel it's keeping him off the streets and out of gangs, which is good, but still, he sure doesn't study like his father did in school. I think his GPA is 2.3. Uh, he can get into BYU with those grades, so we need a plan B. Well, maybe have him learned a trade, Gerald. Those jobs pay way more right from the start than most entry-level positions in a business. Yeah, that's a good point, Aunt Dorothy. Uh, but Mrs. Jarvitz, he's not someone who likes working with his hands. I mean, oh. unless it's a video game controller. I, I don't have any advice on how to work the college admissions game, okay? I need to finish up this interview if you don't mind. Hey, Dion, uh, sorry about that, but I am back. Yeah, sure, Spud. We, we can talk later. All right. Well, well Dan, you, you're a writer in addition to going before the camera. Um, like you worked on Conan O'Brien's show. As you're, you're also a very successful stand-up comedian. Uh, side note for our listeners, uh, they can check out your latest Netflix special, Cole Hardened. Uh, but, but I was wondering, here's my question. If you ever had a, a tough time hearing your jokes being told by others, because I don't know if I would want to hand off my good stuff to others. <laughs> Well, that's that's. Well, let me ask you this: You mean me writing for someone else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quoting my or somebody quoting my joke? No, no, no. You writing? You writing for other people? Oh. I mean, giving your good stuff up? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no. I I love writing, man. I love writing for other people. You know, I I do, man. I've been doing it for years, man. You know, some of your greatest comedians I've I've wrote for. So, oh. 
You know, it just it just keeps your chops up, man, and and it keeps you versatile and and all of that. So, you know, writing to me, stand up writing is therapeutic, and um, that's just what it is for me. It's it's real therapeutic. Well, did you ever like? Yeah, I enjoy it. Well, when you were writing, do and also performing, do you ever like save the really killer stuff to me? I'm keeping that one. Do you ever? No, no, maybe not. I just, <laughs> yes, I have done that several times. I've been like, oh, this is too good to give. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, you're honest. Thank you. Well, well, yeah, yeah. No, but a lot of times, a lot of times, I, I it just all depends on what it is because I can write something amazing and it just doesn't fit me. It fits the person I write for, and so it works out. You know, which is the mind frame you should be in anyway. I shouldn't be writing for somebody thinking about myself. But every every, every blue moon, something to come along, and I go, oh, yeah, no, I got to keep this. All but right. the majority okay. of times, what I'm writing fits the person that I'm writing for. All right. Well, that's off the record. But all right, well, you also have a main role on the Netflix animated series. Now, I get the, the name. Is it Kippo in the Age of the Wonder Beast? Kipo. Kipo, sorry, my bad. It's on uh, Netflix, yeah, absolutely. No, it's on, it's on Netflix, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great tale, man. Great animation. Shout out to DreamWorks and Netflix for making me a part of the cast. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a great enchanting, enchanting uh, animation, man. It's really cool. I play a character named Dave, uh, a uh, bug who, who morphs into him being a uh, infant to him being a 90 year old bug and he goes between these age groups and you know he uh you know depending he morphs at the wrong time so uh-huh. it's, it's a fun very fun very fun animation um and shout out to the NAACP they just nominated me for um a voice character uh, in their category voice character for animation so thank you to the NAACP for their nomination for that too that's very cool you know I was thinking doing voice work uh, could be a dream job for well at least for I'll just be honest I've spoken to many actors about how jealous I am of their gigs that sounds like the perfect job (laughs) okay well, well let me say again your new movie is out I'm fine. Thanks for asking, and people need to check it out. Okay, uh, I just we just really yeah. appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. You know, Spud, I hope this discussion has caused you to maybe rethink your plan for a pre-written obituary. Like, have you thought about how much information you might miss by jumping the gun and doing it before you leave this earth? I mean, I know you're in the final days of your career, right? So probably not much chance of anything big to change there. Uh, Nothing that would uh, shape how a reader would view the merits of your career in TV and radio. Um, um, you suck. Well, you know, to to keep it current, my plan is to wait until the last second and then like pound it out on my phone from where, you know, wherever the heck I am, like in the hospital or or on my last ambulance ride. If, if, you know, if things are looking bleak then, you know, and I'm maybe barely able to keep my eyes open. Um, I guess when you think about it, I'll have to really use the biggest font available probably. Yes. But what if you're not able to type it up while in medical distress, bud? It could be touch and go whether you would be able to do this. And I've seen you text, bud. You're slower than a monkey pecking out letters with an iPhone. It's disturbing how long 
long it takes you to type out even LOL. I like to be precise when my fingers touch a keyboard, okay? And, and then like you, that's why people see way less typos with my stuff. Hey, uh, Spud, I'm being told by our engineer, Trevor, that we have a caller on hold for you. Uh, do you want to take it? Well, it, you know, it's the end of the show, and the options are for me to create interesting content, you know, to fill the remaining time, or just take a call and blame him or her for being boring. You know where I stand on this kind of situation. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. Of course we'll take the call. Uh, tell, tell, tell them and put it through. Can I be put on hold as I have to go to the bathroom? I just finished a super-sized Dr. Pepper. I gotta go, like, really bad. That's so hot. You should be able to hold it, but but fine. Put the kid on hold. Uh, Caller, you're, you're on the air. Hey, Mr. Goodman. Yeah. I've written many obituaries. We have a large family uh, that comes and goes, so to speak. Uh, obits are actually pretty easy to write, especially with cut and paste available. I find that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. I, I, I don't want to slap together Obit. Uh, I'd be pissed if any relative of mine, you know, cut and paste up something, you know, when I kick the bucket. Like, like maybe, you know, something from my Facebook or, or Instagram page, you know, just copying the text. That, that, that'd be so weak. The, the material does not always, you know, show me in the best light also. I am the number one most impactful artist of our generation. Not to worry, Mr. Goodman. I try and put a bit of my own spin on it. But once you get a format developed, I find that I can crank one of these out in less than 10 minutes. It's a piece of cake. Ten, ten minutes? Oh, wow. oh caller, caller, have you received any feedback from your relatives about approaching this task a bit too cavalierly? I'm in hopes my family members will show due care and get it right. Well, no one has ever complained about it to me. I like what? to think I'm the go-to family member in this area, as they know I'm pretty sharp. And well, people are dying to use me, if you know what I mean. They really look up to me, I guess. I'm a very stable genius. Uh, and Dorothy, as my only living aunt, uh, and as I've said, you're really the only relative speaking to me these days, I, you know, if need be, I will step up and handle everything for you. That's that's the kind of nephew that I am. There's no need for concern on your part, all right? I got you. I'm back now, and Dorothy, don't worry about this issue. As me being your future husband, I will be in control of all aspects of this. I'm fully capable of writing your obituary should you go before me, and be assured it will be something you would sign off on. I think I have known her a hell of a lot longer than you, Chance. This whirlwind romance of yours does not put you at the head of the line. I am her nephew, a blood relative. Well, what is the question? Legally, once we are married, I believe the law recognizes a spouse as the consenting person with documents and life decisions. In fact, I don't believe nephews are even in the chain of responsibility. Oh, you guys, come well, on. If I should go before you two, please promise me there will not be any turmoil with this process. Sweetie, I trust you to take care of everything. And Look, I and Dorothy, I, I know you trust me. I feel we have a bond that dates back, like way back, to, like to my formative oh, years. When oh, I oh, no, Spud, I was referring to my soon-to-be husband, Chance. He'll be in charge of my estate if, if need be, and that would include the obituary. Seriously? 
Seriously? Yeah, of course. He is the love of my life. Hey, am I still on the air? May I ask just what has prompted this urgency for you to be so focused on this topic? Like, was there an incident or something that caused you to put this at the top of your to-do list? Yeah, well, kind of, sort of, you know. But it's also been a gradual thing. I know someday, hopefully not too soon, I will hit the end of the trail. You know, the, the, the cycle of life thing. Yeah, was, uh, uh, the thing, what I'm concerned is I always, I always thought it was way down the road, but there was an incident a couple weeks ago. I'm just going to be, you know, I'm just going to lay it out. I was in, I was in a public restroom at my, it was in my doctor's office building. Uh, there, there were a few guys there at the urinals. It's this kind of, you know, this is embarrassing, but what the hell, you know. Anyway, um, as I started to pee, I could hear the flow from the guys to my right and left. It was like Niagara Falls on their end. And my stream was like this little babbling creek you could barely hear. I mean, I had to look down to know I was finished. Oh. You know, because man, when I was younger, I would always go off the sound of the flow. When I couldn't hear it, I was done. And, you know, but that moment in the restroom told me my days are numbered and I best get my affairs in order. You guys, you, you know what I mean? I think the reason why is I've just been like so unhappy. Uh no, I don't. Who pees with no sound? They put out those hockey puck things in the urinals to keep the strong flow of guys from ricocheting back at us. That is very sad you have no flow these days. I have some flow, alright? I'm not in the grave yet, but I have to be realistic and prepare for what's awaiting me, okay? I'm gonna be a man. So, and, and that's why getting this obituary thing dealt with now, you know, before my mind starts to go, it's, it's kind of important. Oh, geez, suck it up, bud. Getting older is nothing to fear. I've found these years to be the best ones of my life. Of course, it helps to have such a hottie as my lover and future husband. I'm gonna have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. Thank you, Dorothy. You are pretty hot, too. I excuse me, hello, am I still on the air? You know, Spud, thinking further about this, I would recommend you put this off for a while and revisit it at a later time as you know, it's premature to even do a rough draft right now. Have you thought that maybe you'll be involved in something really embarrassing and you would prefer your transgressions not be recounted in the media? The internet and uh, through word of mouth, uh, all those things. So anyway, a low profile death, you know, yeah. with no obituary and funeral, it might be the best option for you. Courtney, Chloe. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, and uh, it hurts me to say that, but anyway. So, maybe, maybe I'll just come up with some outline, you know, just with the very basics I want covered, and, and let it sit and, and figure it out a little. Yeah, anyway, all right. Well, I, I gotta wrap things up now. I'm getting word we're out of time. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. Hey, um, okay, you, you know what? I make a living writing no bits. If nobody's gonna talk to me, I'm hanging out. Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Whatever, anyway. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. Copyright 2021, Spud Goodman Productions.